Welcome to the Apartment Investor Show, where we help you get smart and invest smarter in multifamily real estate. I'm your host, JC Castillo, founder and managing principal of the Multifamily Property Group. And joining me as always, my good buddy, joining from a different location perhaps, but Mr. Paul Peebles, National Underwriter for Old Capital Lending. Paulie, where are you today? Today, I am in Crested Butte, Colorado. So we have taken some clients up to the ski house, and so we're entertaining them with uh, snowmobiling and skiing and dog sledding and a lot of the things that people love to do that when somebody else is paying for it, <laughs> they have a good time doing it. So, Well, well Paul, we appreciate <laughs> yeah. you taking time out of your, uh, your vacation to join us for this great uh, video podcast that we've got for you today. Uh, you know, I am excited about today's topic, Polly. Today, we are going to talk about how to passively invest your way out of a high-tech job. And so, we actually have today with us somebody who has done exactly that, Polly. And I think you may know him a little bit. Why don't you maybe introduce our featured guest today? So, Brad Perry is a success when it comes to high technology and in real estate investing. And so I've known him for a number of years, um, and he has done a great job of kind of saying goodbye to his high-tech W-2 high-income position and, and really, I don't think retired is the word, but retired for being uh, in the high-tech industry, uh, but he receives a, his, the majority of his income right now is coming from passive investments. And if you are in the high-technology business, you're, you're only as good as you are today in how you, your company is going to be doing with the technology a little bit into the future. So you need to find a way to uh, become, uh, find another way, another channel of, of income, uh, a stream to support you. So really the, the question is, is do you have enough sufficient streams of income to support you in your retirement? And so, uh, Brad Perry, uh, he's done a great job with that. And so he worked for a real high-tech company. And it's, only, it's uh, by, the, by realizing that he needed to get find another stream of income, he went out, he took the energy, he did it. And we're going to listen to his story. You know, he's going to give you five tips of how he did it so hopefully you can do it in the future. So uh, so my friend Brad Perry is on, on the, in the podcast today. So, Brad, thanks for being here. I appreciate that. Can you give everybody a little bit more of an in-depth background of you, just you personally? Sure, yeah. And uh, thanks for that introduction. And uh, it's a real honor to be on the podcast. Um, yeah, so uh, I was in high tech for about 30 years. And uh, like you said, Paul, I probably should stop using the word retire. It's, uh, it's uh, just... Uh, I mean, moving on to something else, uh, being in doing one thing for 30 years, it's time to move on and do something else. Uh, I started investing in real estate about six, uh, about eight years ago, 2012, doing single family. And kind of like you said, I realized at the time, about that time, what was going on in one of my previous employers was uh, I really kind of need a plan B. Uh, no high tech job, no job is really secure, no paycheck is secure. Uh, I would like to get another source of income, have a plan B, and, and be, like you said, be able to retire someday with, uh, with passive income. So it happened about eight years ago. I got into single family first. Uh, I got into about six single family homes. 
2013. And I realized uh, the economy of scale was going to be so much better in multifamily. And I had a colleague and partner who had started to get into uh, multifamily. And so I was kind of hearing some of his stories and uh, what was going on there and uh, decided at that point to uh, get into multifamily. That was around 2014 when I invested in my first deal. And uh, again, with a busy day job, uh, trying to, I was also uh, property managing those single family homes. Uh, that was a little too time consuming. I couldn't really afford the time. So I sold off a few of those single family. I still own a few, uh, kind of gives me something to do, but uh, otherwise pretty much exclusively invest in multifamily now. Well, you know, Brad, it, it's, it's such a great story and, you know, I can really relate to you because, uh, you know, we share sort of high tech roots. Um, there's a lot of people that are listening, uh, or watching this particular video podcast and they are also high tech people and, and, and they're, they're making money and they're working real hard and, uh, and they definitely see, uh, you know, the dangers of sort of becoming a, a let's say a dinosaur in, in which, which happens really fast in high tech. And so what these people really want to know is, look, if they're looking to invest in multifamily passively, either to get their feet wet or maybe as sort of a long range game plan, maybe you can talk about sort of what we would call five tips uh, for passive investors to do uh, things that they should really watch out for and, and, and be aware of as passive investors in these multifamily deals. Five tips that have sort of helped you to kind of get where you are, which you've got a really big amount of passive investing experience. And maybe you can, you can mention that as well. So let, let's, let's start off with those five tips. Sure. Well, um, the first one is, you know, and, and I say it to some people quite often these days when they, when they ask me, it's like, you have to get a little bit educated, sophisticated, and then, and then get in the game, uh, especially maybe with some engineers, we can get through analysis paralysis and, and, uh, you know, think of every bad thing that can go wrong and, and, you're never going to get in the game, but uh, if you want to invest your money in somewhere and you want to invest in real estate, uh, I think the best way to learn is is get in the game. It'll be a forcing function to get you to pay attention a lot different differently when you start putting your own money in the game. Uh, as far as getting educated, I my story, you know, I joined a mentor group, and I believe that is a valuable thing to do. Called accelerated education where I can network. I mean, the real value becomes the network and getting to know uh, other like-minded people who have been doing it for longer than I have and I can learn from their mistakes and it's just, it, it's just, it will accelerate the process, I believe, when you can join a network and kind of learn from others like that. So I you, think it certainly helped me. Yeah, just eight, eight years ago, you saw kind of the writing on the wall that you had been doing this for say 22 or 23 years and the high technology piece. You said, you know, that, that, you know, W2 income is a good income. You're, you were making a good job. Kind of give me an idea of what was really your job title. When people think of high technology, were you in software? Were you in hardware? Or what type of a level did you get to? Right, right. A good question. So I've been a hardware design microprocessor design here in Austin, which is um, a pretty big field here in Austin. I mean, there's Silicon Valley and then there's Austin. If you want to go to hardware microprocessor designs, you've got the AMDs, Intel, Apple's, Samsung. 
So you worked for a large company. Yeah. And but you saw the writing on the wall that I could stay with these guys and all of a sudden you may be safe or you want to actually start to prepare for uh, a retirement or get another uh, cash flow stream. And so you decided to get into specific education on multifamily. Right. So you didn't go, I mean, you probably looked at YouTube videos and, and read some books, but the, probably the biggest thing that helped you was somebody that kind of held your hand and was kind of a mentor with you and kind of explained the big picture and making sure you, you stepped over there, but you didn't step over here. Right. But, but, and, and I can't probably say that, that how helpful that has been to a lot of people. Was it helpful for you? Absolutely. I mean, it was key. And, and, and one thing, like when I did single family first, you, it, it's not really hard and complicated to buy it, rehab it, rent it, property manage it. I'm a do-it-yourself kind of person. You need to risk a hundred, couple hundred thousand dollars buying six houses. If you want to get into multifamily, and I did have a vision of being a sponsor someday, which is another reason I wanted to do passive first. And the, the, the stakes get a lot bigger, right? You're raising millions of dollars from investors. So you're buying million dollar assets. You're dealing with teams of people like yourself and SEC lawyers and property managers. The stakes and everything are so much higher. Uh, you, you could probably muddle along and, and figure some things out on your own, but it's probably going to be a little slower and more costly to you and everybody else. So I, I felt in a, it was valuable to pay for some education, mentoring, and, and to be and getting access of a network of what I believed were then sophisticated, like-minded, like-trained people. That was really valuable, especially if, you know, if I want to find a sponsor to invest with, how am I going to find a good sponsor I trust? Um, you know, so the first time I sent that $100,000 check, it was pretty nervous, you know, pretty nerve-wracking. <laughs> So let, let's so let's talk about it, Brad. I mean, give us another tip for all these passive investors or all these you know technology people out there that might be looking to invest passively in, in a multifamily. What is another tip you can pass off to them? Well, then I say you know once you get a deal presented to you, uh, you're looking at a deal. You know what are the major factors there? And uh, it's pretty common knowledge what you hear, uh, but you know location of the of the assets going to be critical for a lot of different reasons. Um, the sponsor, the sponsorship team, the property management company that they're going to use. Are they going to be self-managed or what kind of property management company they're going to use? Are they experienced with their track record scale in that market and sub-market? And then the underwriting, uh, I mean, the business plan, the underwriting and the numbers and what are the returns going to be? So probably the four uh, major bullets I'll suggest to somebody when they look at a deal that they need to get in and understand. And, Personally, I've heard some other people advise that, you know, the sponsor is the most important thing. Uh, in my opinion, they're, they're all important. If, if, if one of them is bad, it could, one of those, you know, the property management company isn't doing a good job. Of course, the, a good sponsor will replace them soon enough, but what if they're self-managed and, and something's going wrong and, and they're the same team or, um, if you picked a good sponsor, but just happened to get in the wrong location, or wrong submarket, um, I'm at a deal where it got hit by Hurricane Harvey, and I don't know if I'll get a deal that close to the coast again. <laughs> uh, my, my point being, I think all four of those things is what I tell people are, are uh, equally 
pretty equal importance. Yeah. Now, another interesting uh, concept or a tip that you that you talked about or you mentioned to us was the whole concept of diversification. So why don't you give us a little bit of background on sort of what you mean by diversification and how that plays into your strategy of, of uh, passive investing? Right. So that was kind of my third tip, too, uh, is uh, so kind of know the levers of a deal when you look at one and then diversify. Uh, and I like to diversify kind of across those similar levers. Uh, I wanted to uh, diversify across. My first thought was to, when I got going with this, was to diversify geographically in different cities and spread out my risk that way. Um, but then I wanted to also start diversifying across different sponsors. Uh, and then when I did get into some deals and saw some things not going as well, you know, a, a property manager was a big part of it. So I started paying a lot closer attention to what property management company sponsors were using and uh, networking with other folks and, and hearing about good and bad property management companies and started investing with sponsors who you know were maybe using other property management companies. Mm-hmm. Um, I also started, I wanted to diversify uh, across as far as the business plan goes, you know, do some value add kind of uh, deals, uh, do some more yield uh, play kind of deals or hybrids where they're cash flowing a little sooner, a little higher, but also do some value add deals that maybe then cash flow as much in the beginning, but once they got it renovated or retenanted, you know, would cash flow maybe even higher. Uh, so I started to diversify uh, there as well. Right. That makes a lot of sense. So now there's a, you know, that tells about your tip number four here for uh, passive investing. Well, then, what I realized, so I said tip number four, I said keep the pipeline full. And what I did uh, when I was uh, passively investing is every year, you know, I said I'm going to get into, well, initially it's two to four deals. And then it's like, well, now I want to get into four to six deals. And so every year I pretty much did that. So I would take uh, whatever um, excess cash from my own personal <laughs> You know, uh, income. Well, how much money would you put into like every deal? Like fifty thousand, a hundred thousand, ten thousand. Give us an idea how much money you put into those deals. It was usually fifty to a hundred, but I did a couple of deals where I did two hundred and two fifty, just because I had money sitting there for a few months that I'd wanted to put to work, and I found the right combination of things I was looking for. So the deal pace was a little slower coming in, and one came in, so I said, "Okay, I'm going to put it all to work," but even now in hindsight, I kind of prefer, instead of doing one 250 deal, I would probably rather do two or three and still find a way to spread it out. Uh, the ones where I have invested the, the 200,000 or more, almost in hindsight, I, based on the returns I'm getting, I kind of wish I had. So I'm gonna probably stick to around the $100,000 average that I put into a deal. And how did you find these these people that were putting these transactions together, was it the educational uh, mentoring group that did it? Did you have to go outside to other groups to look for? Did you just happen to find somebody that maybe had set a deal to you for you to look at? I mean, uh, how do people get involved in these types of transactions? How did you get? Yeah, definitely. That's what I was mentioning earlier. I got into a mentoring group, a network okay. group. I, there were a couple of big ones here in Austin, Texas, I think that most people hear about or know about. 
Um, uh, I, I kind of vetted those, uh, mm -hmm. both of those when I first got uh, into in, in this and, and chose and chose one. And from there, that was where my money went. That's where I was investing my time. I was going to the uh, meetups that they have every six to eight weeks in Dallas, uh, big annual conferences, uh, getting on the Facebook pages, uh, just networking. Within how, did you, how did you figure out that uh, these people were trustworthy? With your hundred thousand, that they weren't going to escape down to to Mexico or Canada or Italy with your hundred grand, did you do you know background checks on these folks? I mean, yeah. how did you vet some of these folks out? So for me, it was just getting to know them personally a little bit, uh, meeting them face to face, uh, talking with them. I just had to get a feeling if they were sophisticated, uh, kind of problem solver kind of people, high integrity kind of people, and I just kind of had to use my judgment. I thinking back, um, I also kind of followed the coattails of a couple other very experienced sponsors. If they got in the deal and I knew they had a longer relationship with this person, the sponsors, uh, then I was kind of following their coattails a little bit. And what would you do for your own personal due diligence on the property? Uh, and again, on, on the sponsor too, but mostly on the property. I mean, I, you probably had this educational group help you, but how, what what were you looking at to, to vet this, these deals? Yeah, on the property itself, I would uh, just do a whole variety of things. I guess I would I would go on Google, uh, search, do Google searches on, uh, I forget the sites now I use. I have my bookmarks to look at the crime rates in the area, um, the Google Street street and satellite views to, to kind of get a little bit of a feeling of the asset from from you know from a drive-by if you will because some of them i was investing in i told myself yeah i'm going to go drive to every single one of them but it just got to where that wasn't practical either especially when i'm investing out of state uh i did have to trust uh to that degree i did have to trust a lot of what the sponsor was telling me about the asset with its age and, and the issues that it, that it has, uh, deferred maintenance, um, about the, you know, the neighborhood around it. What does it look like? Uh, there's a, you know, from a Google street view, you can, or from a satellite viewing of the ideas there retail in the area is there accessibility to highways and, and, and that sort of thing. Uh, some of the attributes, you know, look for that you can get online. I mean, that's, that uh, Google Street View is, is very important for the last, say, 10 years. When I first started in banking 35 years ago, we didn't have that. So we'd actually physically drive every property, whether it was in-state or out-of-state on the lending side. But now we can kind of do it you know, with the click of a mouse. We can take a look at what type of a roof it is. Is it a rubber uh, TPO roof? Is there breakup in, in the uh, concrete in the parking lot? Uh, you can zoom in and take a look at kind of different cars there in the parking lot. Yeah. Kind of figure out what the date, the uh, the uh, tenant base looks like just by looking at the, the cars that they're in. So you yeah. can make a lot of decisions whether you want to go this way or that way by just using, I guess, Google as one way to take a look at the property instead of driving driving the property. You just want to make sure that those pictures are up to date pictures. Sometimes you'll you get Google and it goes back to 2011, 2012. And the property is already bought and sold and somebody's gone in there and rehab the property. So what you're looking at today may not be what it actually looks like 
uh, yeah. you know, whatever it looks like. So, yeah. uh, what's number five on your, uh, your tips? Yeah, so number five, you know, it's just I say stick to the plan. Uh, and the plan, of course, does to be dynamic, to, to roll with the changes, to realize when markets are changing uh, or uh, uh, to adapt if you find you like a different style of a sponsor. But just kind of stick to my plan here of what these four other four things I look for and I look to do and uh, just be diligent with it, but also be patient. I found myself a couple times uh, maybe wanting to put the money to work a little too fast. Uh, I, I did, I did maybe wasn't patient enough on a couple of deals and still remind myself about the diversification that I was looking for in order to reduce my risks. Uh, yeah. You know, going back, I want to say too, on the, uh, number four about the pipeline forward and one of my main things I realized there that was pretty uh, big for me was as I was putting money into deals every year cash flow was what I was initially kind of thinking about I want you know whatever it is 10% average or these days 8% average cash flow uh, just from distribution the where I really started realizing I was making uh, more money was when the deal started selling. When you finally get that total return from the you know equity on the on the back end when it sales sells. Now of course we all know we've been in this environment where cap rates have been going down and it's been great and that's been pretty much my history in investing. So I've been pretty lucky, I guess. But um, by keeping the pipeline full. Uh, you know, if, if, if I bought three or two to four deals a year, let's say average of five, because I was getting to four to six, well, then every year I'm starting to have, you know, year four and five, because most of these have a five year, uh, three to five year exit strategy or, or, you know, hold. So about three to four years into it, I was getting two to four apartments to sell every year and started realizing that um, the capital gain from that, uh, you know, I could put the initial investment right back in to keep my my basis the same but take i could you know use that equity from uh, to live off of to basically replace my income so i really started looking at it and charting it and you know seeing it there in my excel tables and it's like wow that's really adding up and i was thankful that i, I guess i kind of didn't have a bubble in those years every year i was putting in money consistently and buying new deals and uh and again i have a pretty full pipeline uh, something I haven't mentioned yet, I think, is I've invested in 35 apartments now since 2014. I think about eight yeah, that's, or nine that's, have went. That's 35 apartment properties. That's amazing. Right. right. And about eight or nine have sold, went full cycle. So um, still in about 26 or 27 or whatever that is. Uh, I just got in another one a couple of weeks ago. So um, I'm still trying to keep keep the pipeline full. Is there any is there any advice that you can give to somebody of red flags uh, for as a passive investor? Things that you've learned that have been warning signals to actually stay away from a deal. Oh, that's a good question. I was thinking about that a lot in the last couple of days, and now uh, it got me on the spot. Um, one of the things that I I remember early on talking pretty in depth about it with a sponsor and he was getting a little frustrated that I wasn't going to give invest with them again. Uh, and he had, uh, I'd messed with them before a few times and had gotten good returns 
but I had a pretty frank conversation with him that I was worried he was spreading himself too thin. He was uh, trying to get too many deals. He still had a day job. Uh, I was just asking him, how can you keep track of all these? And he was going into a new market. Uh, he'd done pretty well in Dallas, but he was going into a new market. And so was his property management company. They were new to that market. So there was going to be growing pains probably. Uh, and in hindsight, uh, I know now a few of those deals they, they've done have not yet cash flowed, I think. So that, you know, I guess you could say worked out or I, I noticed something there that made me uncomfortable that was probably a, a good thing. Yeah. So in the course of getting to know a sponsor, you were able to uncover some of these potential red red flags that required you to spend a little bit of time understanding this person's business model. And that's how you were able to avoid uh, potentially, you know, bad investment. Uh, that is a lot of investing knowledge uh, that 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 Brad brings to the table, and you know, uh, that's what it's all about, folks. I mean, anybody watching or listening to these podcasts, you know, there is such a, a large amount of information that you need to know uh, in terms of how you 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 make and put your hard-earned dollars into these deals. That the really the best thing that you can do is get plugged into a network of people that have been doing it for a long time and doing it the right way and really look to them to help you uh, bypass um, all of the potential pitfalls and really make this thing work with your hard-earned dollars on the line. You do not want to take chances with that. That's right. Brad, if people want to get some more information about what you do, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Yeah, the best way would be with email. Uh, my email is brad at clear. REIVentures.com. So Brad at clear.ventures. Clear, it's Brad at clearreiventures.com. REI for real estate investment ventures. Got it. Perfect. Yeah. That yeah. sounds great. So Brad, I appreciate you spending some time with us. And I took notes on some of these things you talked about. So I appreciate that. Uh, JC, if someone wanted to get an idea a little bit about what you do at your group tell everybody what, what you do first what do we do well you know Polly, as we always say you know we we started in fact we started this apartment investor show because we just like to help people you know there might be some of you out there that might be listening or watching and they you might have questions about how to get started in multifamily. you know our company mpg we've been around for 13 plus years we've been through the great recession we were buying properties apartments before then and after then and, and so we, uh, we really are just a source of information. So if you are out there and wondering how the heck you can get started and how you can uh, make, these, make uh, you know, connections with the industry, feel free to go to our website, multifamilypropertygroup.com. Again, that's multifamilypropertygroup.com. Go to the contact us section and request a free 50-minute consultation. And I myself will actually be happy to sit down with you for a few minutes and see how we can help you out. Polly, what do you got cooking on your side? Uh, always busy. We did a, a billion dollars in apartment loans uh, in 2018, 2019. A little bit. You know, it's yeah. not bad. So, uh, we just That's keep pretty going. impressive, actually, Polly. That's billing with a B, folks out there. It is. So we just keep doing our stuff. I've been doing this for 35 years. I've closed 5,700 apartment loans. Well, if you're an old-timer like uh, Brad and uh, JC, we'll help you. And if you're a, a new-timer, coming from the high-tech industry, looking to get into multifamily. We'll talk to you too. So go to Old Capital Podcast. Don't forget to listen to our, our podcast or Old Capital Lending, both 
www.ocapitalpodcast.com, uh, ocapitalpodcast.com, ocapitalending.com, and then you'll learn some more information. So a great, a great podcast really today, a great interview today with Brad Perry. He's done a, a great job. He's retired himself. If you want to say retired, he's had the opportunity to set up a cash flow stream just eight years ago. And uh, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't 25 years ago. It was just eight years ago he got into this, invested a lot of transactions, made, made himself uh, a success, great person to talk to. And so uh, we appreciate uh, you being on the podcast today. We appreciate that. JC, thanks for uh, putting this together. We appreciate that. I'm Paul Peebles. Have a great day. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you.